You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 30. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This podcast is sponsored by our all-new course, What Tech Job is Right for Me. Visit us at yourtechie.com slash start to check out our new course and find what tech job is right for you. Derek Sivers is an author, entrepreneur, musician, TED Talk speaker, and self-taught developer. To say that Derek has created his own path is an understatement. He's unique thoughtful, and supremely interesting. He's featured in the mega hit Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss and a popular TED Talk speaker. He's a self-taught developer who developed his skills out of the desire to build a musician's self-publishing house designed to scratch Derek's own itch and those of his musician friends. Derek resides in Oxford, England with his son where he spends his days writing, thinking, and connecting intimately with his email list. He actually responds to their emails. Isn't that amazing? Derek is first and foremost a thinker. He consistently says things that make me think, wow, I've never really thought about it that way. It is a huge honor to say, Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ellen. And I am so happy to talk tech. You know, it's funny, I get all of these emails from people or even podcasts that want to talk about business and say, well, tell us, how did you start your business? And I think, oh, again? And then <laughs> you emailed and you said, I want to talk tech. And I thought, oh, yes. It's actually my favorite thing to talk about. I wish I could talk tech all day long because it's, it's this thing that I spent all my time doing, but no time talking about. So I'm very happy to be here. Well, we are happy to have you. And I know that the listeners out there are really going to get a lot of value from just thinking about tech and we, we call it growing in their techiness and just looking at it from all sorts of different angles because they're really trying to figure out you know, where they fit. But here's a really important question that comes up, especially because I we talk to moms a lot and that's you know bringing women to tech and so often that's that's moms. And so I'd love to know what role parenthood has played in your career decisions. <laughs> um, uh, it's the main thing. Um, I mean, metaphorically, it's like parenthood is the house and everything else is just interior design. <laughs> you know, it's like, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. the thing that everything else has to fit around. Um, yeah, it's funny when people ask me sometimes like why I've made certain life choices or moved here or there. And it's like, well, for my kid, <laughs> like that's, that's the main reason I do things. So yeah, sorry. For me, it's just, it's almost hard to separate uh, parenthood and career decisions. I, I totally agree. And I think that's true of, of so many um, women that I talk to and moms. I know for me, um, financially, it, it wasn't really that important for me to, to make a certain amount. And then when I started having my kids, I was like, no, wait a minute. First of all, I'm paying for childcare if I'm gone. And second, 
if I'm going to be gone for them, it needs to be impactful work that I'm doing and, and meaningful yeah. in a lot of different ways. And so it just, I think it kind of just shifts a lot and changes our, our mindset and, and how we want to really maximize our time with our kids always. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give to a woman? And let's say specifically a mom who's considering a career in tech, but here's the thing. She's probably nervous about whether or not she's capable for that work. Oh, I have so much to say about this. <laughs> okay. Well, first do Ellen's techie coaching, but that's obvious. All right. So on the, okay, let's, I think there are a few different aspects to this. There's gender, mm -hmm. there's parenting and there's mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. So on the gender subject, I mean, I think tech is more of a meritocracy than a patriarchy. Mm -hmm. um, there's that great line from the movie, The Matrix, where Trinity is like this legendary anonymous hacker. And then when Neo meets her for the first time, he goes, oh, whoa, I thought you were a guy. And she said, <laughs> most guys do. <laughs> so I think like, yeah, men will have their prejudices but I think it's kind of similar to being a white person learning to speak Mandarin, right? Like mm -hmm. if you go to China, people will look at you doubtfully since you don't look like most Chinese speakers. Mm -hmm. But if you don't let their doubts bother you, then you can blow them away when you show them that you actually know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So by this token, um, women might even have a little advantage like by standing out and being the exception and being a little more memorable because of it, you know, when I, every now and then when I get an email from a woman that's like an open BSD developer or like a PostgreSQL programmer, mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, cool, wow. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I've met like 99 guys and one woman in that field and that's that, like, you stand out, you know? So on the parenting subject though, I knew this successful executive in New York City who said that being a mother was her secret weapon because she knew her time was limited, like she couldn't work overtime. So right. instead she had to make her limited hours more effective. Like she had to triage and delegate. Mm -hmm. And I think in tech, it's really tempting to obsess over that final 1% of a project or wasting time on, you know, what do you call it? Yak shaving and bike shedding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you know that you have to leave at four o'clock, well, that kind of prevents you from falling down those rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. um, so lastly, on the learning subject, um, I think it's really helpful if you're feeling intimidated or overwhelmed to start a project first like something you need to do, mm. um, something where you have massive intrinsic motivation, you know, like a web app that you want to exist or a, a mobile app that you want to exist and decide to do that first and then just learn how to do that thing. Um, yeah, I think that I never could have learned programming in general. Right. I feel bad for people that are just like, well, I guess I should learn coding mm -hmm. and they start taking a course, but they don't even really know what or why. And they're just, they're trying to remember everything because they don't know what's more important or less important. Mm -hmm. But for me, 
like necessity is the best teacher. <laughs> I never could have learned programming in school, but yeah, I learned programming because I had to, uh -huh. right? Like at first I started this website not knowing what I was doing. I knew basic HTML, like basically, you know, the HTML you can learn in an afternoon. Uh -huh. And that's all I knew. And I just had a static HTML website. But then because of that, I was doing hours of manual labor per day, like orders were coming into my little store and they would just show up as an email. And I would have to um, highlight my mouse over the first name, control C, alt tab, go into my database program, control V, alt tab, <laughs> highlight my mouse over the last name, control C, alt tab, in the new program, control V, highlight my mouse over address line one, control C, alt tab, control V. So Ellen, I was doing that like two or three hours per day Control oh C, Alt Tab, Control V. So finally, I said, okay, I have to learn how to automate this because if this turns into six hours a day, like if my orders double, I, I, I'm going to die. I can't do this. I need oh to learn how to gosh. automate. That's so a lot of pain. The, yeah. So with the most massive motivation, hell yeah, I learned programming. Mm -hmm. um, but never could have done it if it was just a class. But that said, by the way, I want to give one little tiny shout out here to mm -hmm. the best programming course I ever took. Okay. Um, which is um, Angela Yu, spelled Y-U, uh, has an amazing iPhone, like iOS course on Udemy. If you go to Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y.com, uh, I think it is. Mm -hmm. If you search Angela Yu um, iOS 13. It's like 15 bucks, which is ridiculous. It should be like 1500 bucks. I don't know why it's priced at 15 bucks, but it's, it's one of those things where it says like, you know, regular price, $500 now, 98% off. <laughs> but, um, but for 15 bucks, it's like 16 hours of video. It's, it's well done. It's an amazing course. Like I sat down and learned how to make an iPhone app in like two weeks with her course. It was so well done. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love it. Um, I do think my audience is going to think I paid you to say to get a project and have massive intrinsic motivation, but I indeed did not. <laughs> no, that is... that's, that's the only, yeah, it's people ask, that's like my number one answer. If any person on the street were to ask me like, how did you learn programming? I just say, well, necessity. That's it. That's the only way to really yeah. get the, the real motivation to learn. So, yeah, I think even if you're thinking about like, you know, what do I need to learn to get a job somewhere? Well, mm -hmm. I think if you were to make any kind of cool little right. web app or mobile app, right. then there's your job application. You know, I made totally. this <laughs> myself. Yes. Well, this is the, like, this is the thing in tech, right? Um, someone in our community will be like, should I get a degree? Well, what do you need, but what do you actually need to get a job in tech? You have to demonstrate your skills. That's yeah. it. And I have a computer science degree and I can count on my hand how many times in my tech career, whether in UX design or in development, I've met people who had computer science degrees. It's, yeah. it's got to be so rare. Almost nobody does. It's much more effective. And I think my degree was helpful. But what really, um, like when I wanted to learn Ruby on Rails, I didn't learn Ruby on Rails. I got a client, had a deadline had a project that I absolutely had to get done. And I was like, Ruby on Rails is my vehicle to do that. And I will do whatever it takes to get right. that. And it was like, 
it was this commitment level that I never had in school or in, in consulting. It was just a totally different level. And then that's what I teach. So in my coaching program, the first thing I say is, pick a self-selected project and then mm. stick with it. And then half the time, Derek, all I'm doing is saying, don't change your mind. My advice is to go back to your original project. My advice is that your project is amazing. Around week three, you're going to feel like you've selected the wrong project. Indeed, you have not. Go back and finish the project. <laughs> That's like literally what I say because what happens? We hit a roadblock and then we think, oh, oh, I must need a different project. But really, when you see it through to the end, I think that's when you really um, see the fruits of your labor. That's when you really learn what you need to learn. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I hadn't thought about this till, till you were speaking, that when you know what you need to complete, mm -hmm. it acts as a wonderful filter mm -hmm. to filter out like the 90% of the information you don't need. You know, like I've been programming in Ruby for 16 years. I've been programming in Ruby. And still, if I look at like the, the Ruby manual, mm -hmm. um, there are huge sections that I've never learned. I will never learn. I've never needed it. Um, if I ever do a project someday that needs that, then I'll learn it. But no, I just learned everything out of necessity and I knew what I needed, you know, and it's usually just 10% of the possibilities. You don't want to learn everything Python can do or everything CSS can do. You just learn what you need to know. It acts as a great filter. I, I think that's so insightful. I, I'm not, I, I think this is one of the major challenges of a newbie developer because I, I have a blog entitled Stop Learning Everything. Because <laughs> anytime you go down one path, it'll lead you to all these other paths. And so if you, um, if you realize and you understand that developers don't just pull stuff out of their brain and have it all memorized, you know, like that's not no. what happens. I, I think, but that's what, it, that's what a, a new developer wants to do, right? They think, well, once I know all this stuff, then I'll just be able to pull it out from my brain and insert it. Right. Okay. Um, so what do you think was the hardest thing about learning to be a developer? And, and, you know, do you have a strategy to overcome that? Because I think that that's, you know, we hit roadblocks and then people think, I must not be good at this or, but it, it, that's just it. It just is hard. Every, every time you go to do something, there's a challenge. What, what do you think was hardest for you about learning? Hmm. Procrastination. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because sometimes your brain just hurts. Like when you're trying to figure out an error, and you're just like, what? Wait, unknown character, what? what? Where? No, what? Just don't, and you have no idea why something's not working. And so what you end up doing is you switch browser tabs, you read the news, you go you read email, you get something mm -hmm. to eat, you call a friend to get a distraction, you go back to, you go to Reddit, you go look at Hacker News. And, and then now like an hour and a half has passed and you go back to it. And it's like, even though your brain hurts, mm -hmm. probably 15 or 30 unpleasant minutes of concentration and just trying lots of things. Try this, try that, try this, try that. Finally, you know, you tinker, you're like, okay, put an error here. What if I deliberately make it crash here? Okay, what if I do that? You know, 20 minutes would have solved it instead of an hour of procrastination. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's the hardest thing is to push through the pain and continue trying without procrastinating. Um, 
Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's it. I mean, I, sorry, I gave kind of a trick answer to your question, but I don't think any particular thing was hard. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, because you know what, because I had this website to run, mm-hmm. I just learned little pieces at a time. I mean, I, I kind of felt like I would just pick up like a few tips per day. And I did things like um, I set up my own Linux server um, when I think I was like doing a managed hosting thing. And then like way back in, we were talking like 1998, like my early, early days, somebody hacked into my server. Apparently I was using like, it's kind of the equivalent of somebody just installing like the default WordPress. Like I was just using a very common prepackaged thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. And somebody hacked it and suddenly the homepage of my website was replaced with their obnoxious message. I was like, ah! And so I was like, oh no, I need to learn how to set up my own web server so this doesn't happen again. And I need to learn about firewalls. And again, it was like, so now out of necessity, I have mm-hmm. to learn how to administer my own Apache web server on my own Linux server, you know. Um, that is, I think, excellent advice. I think that's really hard for me to learn a little bit. I want to learn it all. And I think yeah. doing a little bit is so much more effective, but it's hard to like, you know, if you have 10 problems, isn't it hard to not, well, I'll just solve these 10 problems today instead of one for the next 10 days. Right. But you know, if you've ever tried to learn a foreign language, um, you can't learn a hundred Spanish words per day. You have to mm-hmm. learn 20 per day for five days. You know, you have to pace yourself. Otherwise your brain, you know, fritzes. Um, yeah, I, I, I love a, a lot of that, but specifically, um, the repetition that's required. It really, you, that another in, in learning will say daily practice. Like you really have to have, whether, it, whether it's literally every day or just frequently, that mm-hmm. is what makes the brain calm and refreshing it. And then I, I love how you said how to apply it. I mean, that's, that goes back to this, this issue where a lot of newbies come in and they wanna know the code or like you were saying, learn you know, learn Python. Well, it's not as helpful to learn (laughs) Python as it is to solve a problem using Python. Yeah. Right. Super interesting. I'm a nerd like that. (laughs) No, it's fun. It's fun. It's super interesting. Okay. So you, you're calling yourself, you define yourself as a nerd. Here's the thing. What, was there a certain point in time that you were like, I'm learning to code or I'm learning to be a developer and now I'm a developer? Was there like one point or one time period? (laughs) Ellen, I have a trick answer for you. Okay. Uh, I was about to say no, that it's just gradual. Like I told you, you know, you learn a tip or two a day and it just adds up. But yeah, you know, when I started calling myself a programmer Hmm. is when I didn't want strangers to talk to me. (laughs) <laughs> that if you're sitting next to somebody on the airplane, you got to understand for 15 years, I was a professional musician. So, you know, somebody sees the guitar on my shoulder and they say, oh, you're a musician? And I go, yeah. And they go, oh, what kind of music do you do? Anything I can hear on the radio? So I can hear you. My brother was in a band. Oh, so what, you know, when can I hear you play? And I was like, I don't want to have this conversation. So I found that when, you know, a stranger next to me on the airplane says, mm, what do you do? I say, programmer. And they go, oh, and it's the end of conversation. <laughs> There's no more talking. So, so Ellen, that's when I started calling myself a programmer is when I didn't mm-hmm. want strangers to talk to me further. <laughs> I, I love that answer. I, that is, um, 
Definitely insightful. Good. Good. That's a creative answer. Okay. So I, this is not, this, I realize that this might not be interesting for you, but I cannot tell you, I think that this is going to be a super interesting, um, well, your answer will be super interesting to the audience because what does your life look like today? And why have you structured it that way? Oh, um, I wake up early and I write all day long. <laughs> I basically, I'm typing or talking most hours I'm awake. Um, I write for at least an hour a day in my journal. Um, usually just with going over my thoughts on things or questioning my thoughts on things or thinking how I could think differently about this thing. And this thing could be anything from what I'm programming to where I live to what I'm going to do about my travel plans now that <laughs> I can't travel anymore. Now that you have them, yes. Um, yeah, or all of these things. I really love to... Um, ask myself questions, and then question my answers. I love to push past my first answer to anything and get beyond it to kind of ask myself if there are other ways to look at this thing. So, so I'll just spend hours a day sometimes just in my journal thinking out loud. And I like to keep a record of these things. So I used to only write in a daily diary format. Like I just kind of, whatever today is, I would just open okay. up that file with today's date and just dump everything in my head today. But there were, then there were some subjects that I kept coming back to over and over and over again. Okay. Um, like for example, I have thought for an unreasonable number of hours about which operating system I use because I've bounced back and forth between Linux, FreeBSD, and OpenBSD and the pros and cons of each. And I've thought way too long about this. So after a while, I created a, a file called os.txt where anytime I want to think again about my choice of operating system, I open up that file and I think about it further because then I can see all my past thoughts on this subject. And uh, same thing with my choice of whether to get a dog or not. Same thing with my choice of where to live or, you know, should I, uh, what, what new skills should I learn? That's in like skills.txt file. So I just have these journals where I do all of my thinking. And yeah, sometimes I, sometimes it'll be like four hours a day I'll spend in there just dumping all my thoughts and looking at them, reflecting. It just really helps to, to have them sorted and categorized like that, you know? Yeah, I think that, um, so I was, I was given the advice to journal every day um, by a coach. So I tried to hire her. Uh, I was having some challenges with my startup and she's like, no, no, I'm not, you're not going to hire me. You don't need to hire anyone. You know how to do this. Just journal every day. And I think just because I respected her so much and her, the kind of the, her telling me, no, you don't need someone. I, I offer the service and no, you can't have it. <laughs> that I, I did it. I did it every day. I've done it every day since then. And the, and I was already like blogging and writing about things that I, I 
wasn't like I wasn't writing. I was writing, but I wasn't journaling every day. And um, I actually, um, I, I write, I write in a, I think it's 29 cents from Walmart, like a, <laughs> like a notebook. Mm-hmm. And, and I entitle it, do the work. And, and I got that from, from Brooke Castillo because I think what happens, and I don't know, I don't know if this is a gender thing. I don't know if this is a mom thing, but it almost felt like luxurious or, or fun or not, I don't know about frivolous, but like, like it wasn't, uh, it was just kind of this thing I wanted to do as opposed to really essential to living my best life or, or mm. being the best entrepreneur or whatever. So I call it doing the work and you might think, well, no, that's going to make it not so, you know, fun to do, but it's not really about fun. It's like, I don't want to go a day without spending time with my thoughts in that way. And I do do it daily, but I would say that I have, my system is not exactly like yours. And I do use Evernote. But I love going back to my previous thoughts. I can't believe how much I love going back to those previous thoughts. And um, just to know that the time, I had put the time in to think it through, but now I might have new information, right? Like I I might have a totally different perspective. And I just don't, I'm not sure anything has been so impactful in my life. And I think that it just can't be understated. Here's where this manifests with, the women in my community, especially when they're going on interviews. They, so even just like my friends locally, they'll call me and they're like, okay, I have an interview tomorrow. I have an interview. Let's do a mock interview. And I think mock interviews are great, but I think if you only say the answer, here's what happens. They say the answer. And I know that they're brilliant, intelligent people, but when they're talking, the clarity of thought is missing. So they might not address the problem specific, the answer specifically, they might not um, give a clear, give enough detail without too much. And I just feel like, and this is my advice, I just feel like if you write down your answer, so you do practice it saying it out loud, but if you write it down, you can see things that you can't see when they're in your head. Yep, yeah. And I think that's hard to know until you kind of make a practice of it. But I will say this. I journal for 10 minutes every day. Cool. I make it really, really small, like the commitment yeah, so that I know I do it. And yeah. um, if it goes longer than that, then that's great. Or if I get up early and I can do more, then that's great. Um, but I love the one to four hours. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> it's luxurious. But you know, what's funny is you're talking about like going on a job interview and here you and I are in an interview right now. And yeah, I spent almost two hours preparing for this interview. Mm-hmm. Um, you sent over, you emailed some topics in advance and I spent about two hours kind of thinking through them, thinking through my first answer, thinking, no, I, that's a boring answer. What would be a more interesting answer to that? Like what's, what is it an interesting, what's really important for me to mention? What's, you know, what do I want to make sure to communicate here? And so, yeah, I'm really, really into preparing and thinking things through, even if then, you know, if I, if I wasn't even looking at my notes, but just the fact that I've thought this through, right. 
before the the heat of the moment, you know, so you're prepared. It's important. It is. And I appreciate all the time you spent on it. And I know our audience will too. Let's, um, I just want to make sure, because I do have this question is what's one topic that you're dying to talk about, but I know you said you wanted to talk about tech. Is there anything in tech that we didn't cover that you're like, no, I really think this is important. You know, people need to hear this. I want them to know. Yeah. Two things. Um, for one, it's a tiny point, but I think it helps is I highly, highly recommend if you're, especially if you're kind of starting this journey, um, to make an alias, to not use your real name online. Um, ideally, even like, so you can kind of ignore the gender thing, like pick a genderless name, you know, like the name of a place or a mineral and make your avatar a geometric design or something. <laughs> and then just join Stack Exchange and just ask away. You can ask dumb questions, make a GitHub account in that, uh, in that same name and share your dumb code that you don't know what you're doing and ask for critique. And this is why an alias is so important is because people are probably going to insult your alias for writing bad code and they'll insult your alias for asking a dumb question, but they can't insult you because nobody knows who you are. And I think that this has a, a psychological effect. Like if people criticize your real name, it hurts, even if you know that like mm -hmm. they don't really know you, but just mm -hmm. seeing somebody criticize you with your real name, it, it's confusing, it hurts, yeah, it hurts. Um, I had a specific moment, uh, I was about, I think I was 37, when I kind of, I detached from my public self and I realized, I, it's, a, it's a long story, but it's just, I, I did post some, thing online about Ruby and Rails actually. And uh, when I woke up in the morning, like I felt like the entire internet was attacking it. And there were like 400 <laughs> comments insulting me and, you know, people saying things like, oh, this guy's a mouth breathing idiot that couldn't code his way out of a paper bag. Or that. <laughs> and it hurt my feelings for about 10 minutes until I realized like, wait, they don't know me. Mm -hmm. Like they're criticizing this blog post that some dude they don't know wrote. Mm -hmm. This isn't actually me. But it can be really confusing. I think not using your real name really helps that. So always use an alias online and not even because of the gender. Like I just recommend this to everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I made a requirement for my kid uh, when he was doing his very first, like I think he was creating an account for Minecraft or something. And, yeah. And it was like the first time he's about to do anything to like create an account anywhere online. I'm like, okay, time to pick your internet name. Right. <laughs> He was five and he goes, internet name? What's that? And I was like, well, you can't use your real name on the internet. You always have to pick an internet name. Uh, and it was fun. We just, we picked an internet name. And how cool, especially for kids, you know, because then you can just abandon it. You know, you can be Zoltov the Destroyer for a couple of years, <laughs> abandon that one. And then you can be, you know, Oak Tree Willie for a couple of years and abandon that one. And, you know, you don't have to have people digging through your past and insulting it. So yeah, if I could do it all over again for myself, I would have chosen a stage name, an internet name, and kept my real name secret. Love it. And you said two. Yes, thank you. Okay, so my main thing that I would love to geek out with you about okay. is tech independence. Oh. Because, did you see the okay. movie Wall-E, the Pixar movie? 
Several times. Okay. So, you know, the people on the spaceship, they were told, here's a comfortable chair. Yes. No need to walk. And then within a few generations, they don't know how to walk anymore. They can't Mm -hmm. walk anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think like Apple, Google, Instagram, Facebook, and Amazon tell you here, we'll take care of all of your photos and all of your needs. You know what? Anything you want, just tell us. Just speak into this microphone we own. No need to do any of that yourself. We'll do everything. So of course, it's to your benefit. I mean, sorry, it's to their benefit to lock you in and make you dependent on them. Mm -hmm. But then now you don't even know how to stand on your own two feet anymore. So, um, you know, I have this little snarky saying that clouds disappear by nature. Um, You will outlive Mm. a lot of these companies. Um, So don't give companies anything that matters to you. They don't care as much as you do. And I had this tragic story that a good friend of mine in Singapore, he's even like a tech savvy VC investor guy in Singapore, a guy in his mid forties, been there, done that. He had a a 10 year old kid and because he was tech savvy and when Google launched Picasso or one of their kind of photo collection things Mm -hmm. uh, and his kid was born, they just made this family decision that all of their family photos were going to be in Google Picasso. That was just their thing to store all of their photos. You can imagine where I'm going with the story is mm-hmm. because later he started a company and he decided to do the Google apps for business and uh, you know, merged his personal Gmail account with his Google apps account. And uh, there's, you know, there's just a prompt along the way, I guess, when you're signing up for Google apps, they say, do you want us to merge such and such? And he said, yes. And then a day or two later, his wife was like, uh, honey, where are all of our photos? And he said, oh, they're in Picasa. And she said, no, they're not. He said, yeah, they are. And he looked in there, he goes, oh my God, they're all gone. Where do they go? What do you mean no photos? What's going on? He contacted customer support and they said, oh, well, when you merged your two accounts, we told you that this would eliminate your photos. And she's like, well, where did you back them up? He goes, I didn't, it's Google. They're supposed to, (laughs) she's like, you mean all of our photos are gone? (laughs) What have you done? Oh my like, gosh. Ah. It's like, yeah, it's the cloud, idiot. I mean, sorry, I'm not calling anybody in particular an idiot, but like, it's the cloud. It's a cloud. It disappears. They don't care. Like, don't put anything that matters to you in the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, another tech friend of mine uh, calls it the clown. He said, no, don't, <laughs> don't give the keys to your life to the clown. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that if I could do my little... Um, you know, time traveler thing. Mm -hmm. And if I wish that I had a way that I could influence history more, I think like back in the nineties, it was more common to host things yourself on your Mm -hmm. own website. And you can still do that. Like most people don't, but you can, and it's really dead easy. Like a simple little private $5 a month Linux server can host your photos, your files, your contacts, your calendars, your email, your everything. You don't need Dropbox. You don't need MailChimp. You don't need Instagram. You don't need any of this stuff. A little tiny private $5 a month Linux server can do all of it. And learning to set this up yourself doesn't take that long. It's like a few hours of your life. And it gives you like such a powerful feeling of self-reliance. And lastly, I think, um, you know, part of what attracted me to the internet in the first place, because I got into it early, like I had my first website up in 1994. Um, I really liked 
its decentralized nature. I think that centralization mm -hmm. is both sad and dangerous. And so it makes me really sad each day when I check email and like, you know, 40 emails come into my inbox and like 95% of them are all at gmail.com, at gmail.com, at gmail.com, at gmail.com. It's like, it's sad to me how many people are dependent on Gmail and Google and Facebook. Okay, well, I have a theory that's gonna help you. Thank you. My theory is the pendulum. I don't know if I read it somewhere or stole it, but I really believe that trends swing one way until people get mad enough and then they swing the other way completely and they end up somewhere in the middle. Mm. So I really think if you, it's super interesting. I mean, I, this is, no one else is talking about this that I'm talking to. Um, I do get super mad at Facebook. Like I, I think that it's like, I'll try to run an ad. They're like, no, you can't ask a question because you're, you're, you know, leeching on your customer. You're trying to like trick people. I'm like, what? Are you kidding? Like, that's the best way to de define what I'm doing. And they're saying, well, we can just cut out spam by not allowing you to ask a question. Like, that's just insane. I cannot. So that is a major problem that I have. And, and I think that, um, so this is interesting. I really think, I don't think people are, yeah, they just, it's easy. It's convenient. It's right there. And they don't think that setting up a Linux server is available to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they don't, that doesn't occur to them as an idea. So yeah. I like it. It's, it's really, it's really interesting. Did you write about this? Do you have any? Not yet. No. Well, you know, not publicly, <laughs> um, but it, it's funny whenever it, comes up, I, I get on a soapbox and I just notice, you know, how mad I'm getting about it. And I think, yeah, I, I need to do something about this, even if it's just maybe sharing simple instructions, like really simple, like dot, 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 here's how to, here's how to set up your own contacts. You know, even something like um, your contacts and calendars. I don't like the idea of like Google having my contacts. Ew, no, 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 no way. Anyway, end Super, of rant, no, interesting. Sorry. No, it's, it's super interesting. Well, if you write about it, I will link to it. I think that it's, um, <laughs> I think it's super interesting. I think that it is challenging. I think there's something bubbling up because we just don't like the control. I'm not sure the conceptualization of understanding how they can go away or that all your stuff can be lost is out there. But frustration about how you have to work and how it changes um, the decisions you can make in your career and business and life. I think that might be, people might be starting to get mad enough about that. So it's yeah. interesting. I like it. Super fun. Yeah. Okay. So I want to just say thank you so, so much for being here. I knew it would be an interesting conversation. I am excited to share you with my audience. I think that um, they might not, they might not know you, which blows my mind because I've, I've, I've been a fan of yours for a long time and I knew this would be interesting and it was even more interesting than I thought it would be. So just thank you for being here and spending time with me and talking about tech. Well, thank you for indulging in me in my favorite subjects. And, um, the reason that I do these interviews, as you can tell, I'm not here to promote anything. I just love thinking about these subjects, but I also really like 
connecting with people. So uh, if you go to sivers.org, my email address is right out there in the open. And it's one of my favorite things to hear from strangers every day. So even if you don't have a question, just email and say hello and introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Derek. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Ellen. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.